What's up, everyone? Welcome to Podcast Monsters, your best source for all things past, present, and future in the world of Pokemon. This week, we'll be covering new card announced for the upcoming Japanese TCG sets, the Sinnoh region gets its own event in Pokemon Go, some new exciting merch drops, and an odd story about popsicle sticks. This episode will truly have it all. I am your host, Bruce, and I am joined by Shinjanator. What is up, everyone? And Dunks. Hi there. Hope everyone's doing okay. Yo, what's up? Well, we definitely do want to check in on the audience today. Um, we know it's been a rough and frankly quite embarrassing week for those of us here in the United States and for many around the world. The unfortunate events that took place were disgusting. And we here at Podcast Monsters will never condone violence or hate. Uh, We believe in talking and debate. And certainly we all have different perspectives and experiences. But what happened this past week is inexcusable. um, And we just hope that things can move into a better place as 2021 continues on. But our best wishes go out to everyone. Definitely take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Absolutely. How are you all doing? It's been a long week for sure, you know, aside from just everything going on in the world right now just also personally it's just kind of a long week but the thing that that really uplifted me was just all of the positive responses to our last episode so thank you so much to all of our old and new listeners for for tuning in to our most recent yeah definitely definitely we saw a lot of really amazing feedback and a lot of people sharing it out being really uh excited about the content from last week um it really was very heartwarming a lot of work went into it and uh, we appreciate everyone's patience because we know it took a little while to get out (laughs) um but it's definitely one that we're really proud of definitely it also feels it feels different to be on on this side as you can see we've got we're mixing (laughs) it up this week bruise is going to be our host Yep. We'll try. I'm going to try to be the host. I don't know if I can do anywhere near as good of a job as you do, Shinja, but I'm going to give them my nah, best shot. Nah, nah. I'm just glad uh, it wasn't me this week. No. <laughs> I don't think I was ready. We had I a little would, uh, debate. Like, who, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? <laughs> well, we can draw We can draw straws. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would have. Uh, I probably would have preferred a couple of days notice on this. But you know what? <laughs> when, the, when, when the duty calls, I'm ready to jump in. You mean, oh, yeah. you mean five minutes wasn't enough? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I guess the uh, show the, business, <laughs> the quality of the episode will tell. It's your, it's your shot, Johnny. All right, here we go. I don't know where that came from. I just made that up. Let's jump into the news, <laughs> <Johnny>. <laughs> All right, so we do want to start off with some Pokemon TCG news, and uh, we have a pretty exciting first news article from our friends over at Pokey Beach related to the first teaser info for S6. So this is going to be sets called Silver Lance and Jet Black Spirit, which you know I love that name. Each set's going to feature 70 cards before Secret Rares, and they will be released on April 23rd. Third, Silver Lance will focus on single strike cards and feature water type ice rider Silex. Did I say all that right? Calrex, excuse me, uh, as both a Pokemon V and VMAX. And we have Jet Black Spirit, which will focus on rapid strike cards and feature psychic type Shadow Rider Calrex. Yeah, as both a Pokemon <laughs> V and VMAX. We'll get it by the end, folks. This set will feature several special art cards that emphasize a Pokemon's environment. The teaser info for January Single Strike Masters and Rapid Strike Masters mentioned this too. They're likely referring to alternate cards, just like the two Urshifu VMAXs that were just revealed. So so what do you all think about S6? It's always so crazy to me whenever we get new set announcements when like we're still waiting for the next set to still like be released to begin Very with. Very true. So I, I'm still wrapping my head like, oh man, we already have yet another set to look forward to. And 
talk about. But I really like the design of, of Calyrex. I think it's a really cool Pokemon. I think it was the new one that released with the Crown Tundra DLC, if I remember correctly. I think Urshifu was for Isle of Armor, and then Calyrex was for Crown Tundra, so it makes sense that these new Sword and Shield sets are each respectively focusing on those two new Pokemon. So I'm excited. Like, obviously we don't have too much news other than the name and knowing that it's focusing on Calyrex, but I'm also excited for all the new arts and cards we're going to be seeing because already with the battle style set and those awesome all arts coming with Urshifu Max, I, I think we've got some awesome sets coming up in 2021. Yeah and, and, and I think I'm really excited about this set. I think first of all they really made some elegant teaser art you know if you can go and look up the art it looks majestic yeah. and the names Silver Lance and Jet Black Spirit I think are equally majestic. It's definitely going to be like a legendary focus set and I'm really interested in that one little nugget in this article that says the sets will feature special art cards that emphasize a Pokemon's environment. I am all about art and, you know, having some variation in art, especially as a Pokemon card collector. I'm really yeah. excited to see what that's going to look like. That's a good point. Good observation. Yeah. I... Yeah. Really nice pickup there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is very par for the course, right? With Japanese releases, small little sets, there'll probably be a few secret rares in there. So, I mean, this is definitely a big kind of main release and it is introducing an interesting new Pokemon. I also like how they are very focused on the the typing. You know, I never, I never really think about that, but that's a really nice thing that, that Japanese sets do where they really give you cards that work together, you know, and they continue to kind of serve that base in a, in a, in a, a different way in terms of the competitive if people they can actually build decks based around different sets and not have to collect things that they don't need or want for their decks so the fact that these are kind of more focused is interesting too yeah you know that's actually kind of a good point like even with some of the recent english sets like darkness ablaze obviously is a very fire focused set vivid voltage electric and now battle styles is obviously fighting so now we've got calyrex which is going to be water and psychic so you've got these two different types and it'll be it'll be cool yeah, I totally agree. I'm wondering if these new special art cards that are emphasizing a Pokemon's environment, if it'll be anything along the lines of like full arts where the art is expanding around the card and you actually see more detail in the background, or if it'll just be normal like common uncommons and stuff, hollow rares, and it's like the background for each type will kind of all fit together into one environment or something like that or if it's just something like those cards that tell a story like i'm really curious what it could be because obviously it's a very vague update we, we don't know anything more than that there's no teaser for what those arts are going to look like so i don't know what do you guys think i really don't know you just made me think about i forget the name of the set now but there was an older set i think it was right after the watsi era that had these like cards where if you put them together they formed one card and it focused yes. on i think lugia was featured in one of them the southern legendary Islands? dogs it wasn't southern island although that's another great example of where like the environments did completely connect that was totally watsiera right. um but these were like legend cards i think they were called and 
some of the most amazing art, but you literally had to pull two cards and they were very rare. There was only one or two in a oh, box. Oh, yes. Then, I know exactly. I think these are from the Heart Gold Soul Silver era because I, I think have you're the right. bottom of right. the Lugia legend, but I don't have yep. the top one. Like yep. this was back yep. when I was a kid. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a great one to, to kind yeah, of Yeah. I wish they would bring something like that back just because the, the art was so amazing and it's pretty cool to have that. I think for a binder or for a collector, they, they didn't really hit for me because I would want to grade yeah. them and then they would look super weird, like half a card. <laughs> so yeah. it didn't yeah. work for me on that level, but I think the the idea was extremely cool. So I think the best cards from that from those Legends series was the Dark Rye Cresselia one. The, that yeah, one that's was a beautiful such card. A cool card. I, I yep. don't own it, but I just I, I admire it totally. Yeah, a lot of those those cards seem to be pretty divisive in the Pokemon TCG community mm -hmm. as well. You know, it's it's sort of a love them or hate them deal. But I I think personally, you know. The only way to get more art on a card is to spread it over two, it seems. <laughs> I feel that. I feel no, that. That's a good point. Yeah, there are some people that don't like those because, like you said, Bruce, it doesn't work as well, like, if you want to get cards graded. And, like, as a binder card, it's really not bad. But even with binders, the cards aren't exactly, like, right next to each other, like, flush. So it, it's still a little hard to, like, complete the picture in a binder. Yeah, totally. So I wonder if that's why they haven't like done them again. So probably I, I would we'll I would see. assume we'll see. We definitely will see. So this is actually this conversation is leading me to an interesting thought where I said, you know, the only way to get more art on a card is to spread it over two cards. I'm thinking that jumbo cards, uh, those jumbo promos that we get in different collection boxes, I think, you know, they've been a bit of a missed opportunity to do some alternate arts uh, or or do some environments you know, maybe not just blow up that same card to a, a jumbo size, but have an alternative art where you're having that same promo Pokemon, but have them in some sort of interaction in the Pokemon world. I think there's a potential to get a lot more creative. I don't know. I'm sort of surprised that they haven't sort of explored that avenue because they've tried doing art across multiple cards. They've tried different art styles. And I know we talked about last episode how much we love alternate arts, and it's one of the best things that Pokemon has done uh, recently. So... I'm hoping they continue to innovate, and I'd love to see some alternative art jumbo cards to get a little creative. We can always dream. Heck yeah. No, there's there's so many good points brought up during this conversation, and I think we all are just always craving something fresh and new from the art perspective, as much as the game and the mechanics, which we know we're getting a whole lot of uh, that in these new sets this year as well. This is obviously S6 that we've been talking about, but V Union and V Star have been announced as well. Eevee Heroes, Skystream, and Towering Perfection, we've talked about as well. Very excited for those. And then High Class Pack and High Class Deck were uh, registered, which a lot are assuming may end up being our parts of uh, the 25th anniversary celebration. So, so much to come. And a lot of these things are set to come out way before even this set that we just uh, discussed. But uh, it's going to be an exciting year in the TCG. I can't wait. There's been such a, a lack of product in, in the stores and, and available throughout, I feel like, the early parts of this year so far i've, I've checked yeah. my local targets and just been looking for something anything to open and have some fun with and um it's been a little bit scarce but you know it's going to ramp up soon exciting times are ahead in addition to all of these new sets and things that are coming we did get our first peek at some of the cards that will be in the uh, newest sets that are coming out in S5, Single Strike Master and Rapid Strike Master. These are the Japanese sets that we know are going to be part of the battle 
what is it called? Battle, Battle Strikers? Styles. Battle Style sets here in the US. Thank you. <laughs> and so we got our first glimpse at Cricketoon V. We got a Victini V, a Victini V Max, which I'm sure many are excited for. Tapu yes. Coco V, Tapu Coco V Max. We got a fan favorite Mimikyu V, very exciting, and a whole bunch of other cards. So these are our first look at, at some of the cards that are going to be coming out in that first set in S5. Uh, that's, I believe, set to be released on January 22nd, um, which will, be, again, be part of Battle Styles, which is coming out in March. What are your thoughts on the new cards? Definitely the standout for me are the Victini cards. Victini is one of my favorite mythical Pokemon from not only Gen 5, but just in general. And I think the VMAX card is super cute. Uh, even the V is is really cute. So those are definitely going to be some of my chase cards other than obviously those Urshifu VMAX alternative arts. And if I'm being honest, I, I, I feel like I'm going to get some hate for this. I, I'm not that crazy about the Mimikyu card. I don't know why it, it doesn't do it for me. Like, I love Mimikyu, but something about this card is, isn't is doing it for me, and I don't know why. It seems very, like, high def, like, almost, I don't know, yeah. not quite Uncanny Valley, because it doesn't really look like a person, but I, it, it's, like, high enough definition that it looks like it's almost photorealistic, but yes. far enough away from photorealism that it looks like CGI. It's, like, this weird middle ground. And I think that's why I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. There's always this debate between Pokemon doing the hand-drawn art styles or the very, like, exaggerated art styles versus some of the newer cards having these kinds of CG backgrounds. We all know, like, five-band graphics does a lot of, like, it looks almost kind of digital artwork in, in its art style. And I feel like there is, for me, I, I always lean towards the more hand-drawn art styles and things like Same. that. And whenever it has this, like, kind of CG look to it, I usually don't love it. The one caveat to that is I really do like the clay looking cards that they used to do, which yes, I think the clay they, and the yarn, both of them. Yeah, yes. those totally are pretty agree. great. Um, so awesome. Totally, totally. totally. totally I would love to see them do like a clay or yarn V. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Ooh, but V cards, oh V cards, they always, they always under, they, they, they just don't hit for me. I always, it's always the V Max and then the full arts that really catch my attention. Vs in general, I don't tend to love. The, the just basic V cards. But. Yeah, I get that. I feel like Vs are kind of hit or miss for me. Like there are some Vs that I that I like a lot, but just in general, V Max and Full Art is definitely where it's at. I have to say, mentioning the Tapu Koko because no one has here. Nintendo <laughs> seems to have a real soft spot for Tapu Koko. I don't know. We see Tapu Koko yes. on like every single promo. Tapu Koko is always being featured. I mean, it's it's a cool pokemon i like the design but like the amount of attention they give it is insane yeah i'm not really sure what the deal is with that no i'm so glad you brought that up i feel like dogs i think we've had like a, a private conversation about that as well but something about the pokemon company and the tapus in general they just really like but tapu coco especially personally i i don't really care that much about the tapus but i do think tapu coco is probably the best one out of all of them I do think the VMAX card is, is pretty dope, I will admit. Again, I guess going back to the, the discussion of V cards, I'm not that crazy about the V for Tapu Koko, but the VMAX actually is pretty cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. I mean, there's so much color and action and swirls and lines. And again, it has this hand-drawn element to it. It looks awesome, honestly. It's one of my favorite cards of the this uh, release here so far. Yeah. But yeah, it is really odd. All of the Tapus get a lot of love. Tapu Lele, for a long time, was a very valuable card because it was so playable. It was in every deck. And mm -hmm. this was during the Sun and Moon era. And obviously, all of the Tapus got the gold cards, right? In Yeah, Hidden Fates. In Hidden Fates, so they do get a ton, a ton of love, and um, yeah, it must be, must be something going on there. 
that they continue to be so popular and printed in these unique cards? I would say if you haven't seen them and you're listening to this, go check them out. Generally, I, I know we someone said earlier that, you know, Vs are, you know, can be a little bit underwhelming, but I think each of these new Vs that we've seen so far, I love all of them, you know, and, and it's not, Vs are not normally something I pay a lot of attention to, but if we're talking about art, um, even the Cricketune looks amazing. I, I mean, it, it's definitely, it's in situation, it's at night, you've got the, the moon poking through the trees behind the Cricketune. It's, it's very dynamic. They all look like they're doing something. They're not just standing there posing for a card. They're all doing their Pokemon things, so... Yeah, there's a lot of detail and love put into these cards, you're right, and it does seem like since the beginning of the Sword and Shield era, these cards have continued to improve in terms of their art and their look, and I think the black border was something we all had to get used to, and now they're really hitting. They're really hitting. It's very exciting. Yeah, I feel like one more thing about the Vs is, aside from whether or not you like the arts and stuff, I always find the quality of V cards to be kind of lacking. Like, there's always a little scuff, like, straight out of the pack. It would be very hard, I think, to get a, a perfect v card they're never as they're never as thick as the the v maxes because now v maxes have texture and they're very glossy as well right i think that leads to definitely potential damage but we'll have to see we'll have to see how these come out i definitely noticed with the english releases that the black border does tend to show a lot of more edgeware potential edgeware and so finding a perfect one is really challenging but in japanese for the most part they've been looking really good so we'll have to see we just love Japanese cards here. We, yep, we, we just keep talking talk about, about it. <laughs> the quality. Like. It's so true. It's so uh. true. Um, well, a lot of new exciting things coming. I hope we're all excited for the year ahead in uh, TCG. That's pretty much it as far as TCG news. We do have one more story that we're going to cover here that we just thought was something fun and uh, interesting to dig into. And it's related to a Pokemon card collector and forging fake popsicle sticks. So this article comes from Comic Book. It's their gaming section. And I'm just going to go ahead and read a little bit from the article. Please give them a click if uh, you want to check out this story for yourself. But it says here, one man in Japan has been arrested for the crime of trying to trade fake popsicle sticks for Pokemon cards. I know it sounds like an incredibly bizarre story, but stick with me. That's some good writing right there. As part of an ongoing promotion that began Last year in Japan, the Akaji Nigyo Ice Cream Company informed consumers in the region that it would be giving out Pokemon cards to those who obtained select popsicle sticks that came in boxes that were being sold to stores. Those who came across one of these specific popsicle sticks would then be able to mail it into the company and in return would receive an extremely rare Zerud Pokemon card, which is associated with Pokemon the movie Secrets of the Jungle, which I can't wait for. Well, the uh, Akaji Corporation soon found that something may be off when they realized that one entrant had sent in over 25 individual popsicle sticks. (laughs) This competition was largely quite limited and the winning sticks were rare enough that for one person to have naturally stumbled across so many of these items was very unlikely. As it turns out, that's because this person was apparently forging lookalikes for the actual winning sticks in order to obtain the rare Pokemon card. (laughs) This forger was finally arrested earlier this week near Tokyo. Oh my goodness. So let's just pause there. What are your thoughts? There's a lot (laughs) to unpack here. Is there <laughs> Japan Japan never change. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh man. It's just like first of all, I think it's so cool that in Japan they've got these contests with, you know, like an ice cream company and whatnot where you can win exclusive Pokemon cards. Like 
the culture in in Japan is so fun, and I wish we had that here in the states and even other countries and continents as well. Yeah, but. I think it's so funny that they caught onto it. Like, how did this one person win twenty five times? And obviously, they realized they were forging popsicle sticks, which is just something about this is just absolutely hilarious to me. But it also makes sense because, as fellow Pokemon card collectors know, these exclusive cards can run top dollar and. Apparently, these winning popsicle sticks were found being resold for about five hundred dollars in Japan. So obviously, people really wanted those exclusive Zarud cards. Yeah, it's amazing. I think what it says later in the article is that some people were buying the sticks from others to then send in and get the card for like almost equivalent to five hundred dollars. Super rare, obviously, super expensive, <laughs> and all just based on finding this like. Golden ticket Willy Wonka popsicle stick. I just think the whole story is ridiculous, and it actually makes sense. It's just amazing to me that they caught them and arrested them. I mean, when we talk about what happened last week, right, and we had a lot of opinions and thoughts on, you know, what should you do if something is obtained illegally, right? Which we weren't able to confirm. Um, listen to last week's article if you or last week's um, uh, podcast if you're interested in learning more about this. But you know, there has been no legal action as far as we know, based on a lot of variety of things and this was like so basic like it just basically creating these popsicle sticks to get this card and and the person got arrested it's just amazing i have i just think this is such a funny story i can't even imagine it's also this individual's in the goldilocks zone and that they were smart enough to make convincing fake popsicle sticks but not smart enough to think that sending in 25 just by himself would be a little suspicious. So, you know, if yeah. you're if you're really playing to win here, you know, give them to all your friends. Have your friends send in the popsicle sticks, you know, so it's not so crazy. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find even what the card looks like. I don't know if the one that I have up here is the right one. No, this one, I guess, looks like it's from some sort of like fruit snack or something like that. But they do a bunch of these promos in partnerships with other brands, which is just something we haven't seen here in so long. We used to get those McDonald's promos and other things like that, and those don't seem to happen as much anymore. I feel like the last really popular one was maybe a Target exclusive. That Magikarp was a pretty big deal. But man, yeah, people go really crazy for these promos, and it makes sense. I mean, they have really unique elements. Sometimes they have a logo stamped on them other things that make them really unique yeah this this particular one it's not some really nice art but it's got a golden logo uh, i believe of the ice cream company or the ice cream company's mascot on the card as well so it's very it's very obvious and it does look pretty cool well there you go everyone that's your alexa play darude sandstorm (laughs) that's it (laughs) what a funny story well um obviously lesson learned here folks don't f- go forging popsicle sticks for your $500 Pokemon cards. <laughs> Not worth it. Not worth it. Not worth it. All right. Let's go ahead and transition on to our Pokemon Go news and updates for this week. We have some exciting announcements. The first one being there is a new loading screen, and it looks like it's created quite the, the chatter on Twitter here. What are your thoughts on the new Pokemon Go loading screen? Um, so basically, our, our new loading screen, what we're seeing is a Pokemon trainer uh, standing at the mouth of the cave, and we have Ho-Oh flying across the sky with a rainbow visible. And it, it's filled with a lot of uh, imagery and symbolism. And Jason Marino, at Jason Marino Art on Twitter, um, had a really great post breaking down uh, this loading screen. And they, and they pointed out how 2020 has been a really rough year 
worldwide. And this loading screen, it shows the imagery of coming out of a dark cave. Uh, we see Ho-Oh flying across the sky. We see a rainbow, um, and it really represents hope. Um, we have ho is a phoenix Pokemon and rising and, and passing through the storms and showing the light at the end of the tunnel. And it seems like this was a very conscious choice to say, you know, it's a new year. Um, we have new possibilities, you know, and things can be a lot better. You know, we can get through all of this. So it was very touching. And, yeah. I, and I really liked the way that this Twitter user really broke it down for us. No, it's really beautiful. I mean, it evokes the original episode of the anime as well, right? Which is so interesting because we, you know, obviously just started our anime rewatch. And back in episode one, this kind of brings to life that that feeling of Ash. I mean, literally Pikachu is on the trainer's uh, shoulder there. And obviously there are some additional uh, later generation Pokemon, but it is a beautiful piece. And I do love the idea of a, a fresh start and coming out of the darkness. Very nice. Yeah, definitely super inspirational. And even without reading the details from the artist's perspective on why they wanted to make this loading screen the way that it is, it, it definitely just evokes that feeling of hope on its own. I mean, seeing Ho-Oh with that rainbow, there's so many anime episodes straight out of even just, you know, episode one, which obviously we talked about on the show before. Ho-Oh symbolizes so much. There's another great episode on Ho-Oh and the kind of myth behind Ho-Oh and the lore of the Pokemon world in an episode in the newest season of the Pokemon anime, Pokemon Journeys. And just seeing the trainer with Greninja, Litleo, and Fletchling, and the Pikachu, of course, is, it's really nice. Like, I would love, I would love to just have this framed on its own, honestly. I, I always look forward to a new loading screen in Pokemon Go because I'm obsessed with Pokemon artwork and art in general. So I, this one's definitely one of my favorites. I was thinking the same, like all of the Pokemon Go loading screens are like some of the best Pokemon art that we've gotten. And it always includes a ton of Pokemon that you would never normally see together. Yeah. And I think it's really always well done, very varying art styles, but always has like kind of a similar language and they all kind of work together. It'd be awesome to have a piece of just like all of those on a big poster or some way to kind of capture them together. And I think, yeah, each individually could also be some great pieces. It would be awesome to see that in the future. They're always beautiful. Beautiful. Definitely agree. And I have to say, uh, something Niantic uh, did do during 2019 GoFest, which I was lucky enough to attend, um, they had a lot of the uh, loading screens printed out and put on like giant banners and spread around the park. And it, it definitely, it definitely was like a trip down uh, memory lane, seeing all the classic loading screens. And I really hope that in the future, when we can have GoFest in person again, we're going to have even more loading screens to decorate the park and sort of hit all of that nostalgia yeah, yeah i've that seen photos awesome. with people standing in front of those like one of our friends in our pokemon go discord server that's her her icon and i i really hope they bring that back in the future once GoFest can be in person again well speaking of GoFest being in person again and getting out and catching new pokemon in events this year uh we do have a new region being celebrated with, which is the Sano region. We talked about Unova last week, and this event is going to be held from January 12th through the 17th. You are going to see all the Sano region Pokemon spawning in raids. There's also going to be a very special shiny Buizel that's going to be released. You're going to be able to see Heatran in five star raids, and there will be a new collection challenge. What are your thoughts on the region celebration the Sinnoh region celebration well I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased because Sinnoh 
if I had to pick a favorite Pokemon region, it would have to be Sinnoh. I love Sinnoh and Gen 4 in general. And I'm excited. I, I think it's a really fun idea that they're choosing to highlight one specific region leading up to the Kanto Tour event. I think it's a really smart idea. And it's a simple event. Like, there's not a whole lot going on where, you know, you don't feel that pressure and FOMO to be hardcore grinding and playing the game, which definitely has been a pattern in the past and sometimes players can feel burnout but these are very simple events going on every week leading up to the Kanto event in February and you know really the the only new kind of thing they added is the collection challenge which is pretty easy to do I was able to do it for the Unova one I know Dunks was as well so it's fun little simple events like these that I enjoy because there's not too much pressure unless you really want the new shiny Pokemon I do think shiny Weasel is, is pretty cool it's like a nice little golden yellow color as opposed to the orange and I feel like people like those yellow golden shinies so yeah I'm excited I think it's cool that they're gonna have mega Charizard Y and mega Blastoise in the mega raid battles it's not even snow related, but I'm happy yeah, that they're there. I, I don't know why they brought those back into the mega raid rotation, like for Sinnoh. Like it should have been Obama Snow, because that's a Sinnoh Pokemon. Well, they they do. Mega have Obama, Obama Snow, snow is but... there too. Okay, okay. <laughs> just, I think I think they're suffering from the fact that they've only released a handful of megas so far. So yeah, when yeah. it comes to themed events, we're seeing a lot of Kanto megas, and, and that's just virtue of. Uh, we're still waiting on a lot of megas to be released. So it's the 25th anniversary. It's okay. We can we can have Kanto in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It would have been it would have been a good excuse to release like another mega. But yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. we will be uh, getting the Hone event, which I'm sure we'll be covering in a future episode from January 19th to 24th. So these are coming fast and furious. It sounds like uh, you said Kanto will be in February. It's like right around the corner. I know, so. That's crazy. Uh, these events are definitely coming uh, very quickly and seems like good opportunities to really engage with your favorite generation and get some good drops, some good Pokemon from that time. Okay, question. Yes. So when the Hoenn event comes, it seems like the pattern right now with the with these region celebration events is they're doing a, a shiny release, right? What if for Hoenn, instead of a shiny re- release or on top of a shiny release, what if they finally dropped Kecleon? Ooh. What do you think? I don't know if they have the guts to do it, honestly. <laughs> what are they waiting for? I don't understand. That That is the million-dollar question. We've been asking what are they waiting for for I years now. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, they have to make a huge deal out of it, like the Galarian Mr. Rhyme event or something, because at this point, there's no excuse. We're on Gen 6 now, Niantic. Give us Kecleon. Are there any other generations within Pokemon Go where you can't complete the decks? Or is that the only one missing? Or are there other generations that have random ones missing too? For Sinnoh, they don't have all of the legendaries yet. Like, we don't have Arceus. Gen 5 is not complete yet either. Like, we don't have all of the, the Curum forms. But I would say Gen 3, Hoenn, is probably the base one. Because Kecleon's literally the only one missing. Yeah, so so random. I don't understand why they wouldn't release the entire decks within, like, the release period. Whatever that looked like. Hey, we're releasing this new gen, yeah. and over the next year, we'll get you all the Pokemon. You know, I don't know. It just seems very weird that they still have some missing from Gen 3. Like, that's so bizarre to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I think they find that they can get more player engagement if they do a staggered release. But, I mean, the way they're dragging things out here, it's a bit... 
it's a bit much. Well, I mean, they shouldn't release the next gen until they've done the last gen service, right? That, that right? at least seems to make a little think. bit of sense to me. That's what you would think. <laughs> oh, oh, bruise, you sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon Go with my rose-tinted glasses. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, um, well, hopefully we get that Kecleon at some point, and uh, I hope everyone enjoys this new event. Any other thoughts before we move on? Yeah, speaking of stupid decisions, how about uh, that North Face Gucci event? How's that going? <laughs> we do have an update for you all. We covered the North Face Gucci collaboration with Pokemon Go last week, where we discussed how the products that North Face and Gucci made together, the the collab, were going to be in-game items as long as you made your way to a Gucci Pokey stop, which was uh, located at a few different locations around the globe. And we obviously had very strong opinions about that oh, as yeah. a way to release uh, this promotion because it was very limiting. Obviously, not everyone has Gucci stores around the corner from their homes. Um, and it's also a pandemic, and we really shouldn't be encouraging people to go to Pokey stops at stores anyway. Um, so, a lot of questionable decisions. We have an update. I feel like we did we did it. We did it, guys. <laughs> Pokemon Go Gucci <laughs> items now free to all to encourage player safety. This is a good Pokeball. I think I gave I gave the bad Pokeball award yes last week. Oh, We're yeah. giving the good Pokeball for this one. We'll turn it around. So this is exciting. Uh, after all parties having announced a limited time crossover between Gucci and the North Face with Pokemon Go, a promo code that will allow players to collect the event cosmetics items without leaving the safety of their homes has been released. This measure has been put in place by Pokemon Go and the two fashion brands in light of the current global pandemic to help ensure player safety. Why did you not do this from the start? What are your thoughts? This is just so insane to me to come back and say this is for player safety after they clearly didn't intend for this event to do that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's just, it's a mess. I don't know why they didn't just do that from the get-go or... I really think, I I believe Dunks had said this last episode when we were talking about this more in depth, he thought that this was probably on Gucci's part and them wanting to encourage people to go to their new pop-up stores again, like in a pandemic. Can, Can we believe that? Like what? So that's probably on them and, you know, maybe North Face wanting to to do that as opposed to like with the previous collabs they've done with Uniqlo and Longchamp where you just get the avatar items for free. So... It was just stupid. <laughs> this whole thing is just, why? Well, it, I don't know. Maybe we can, every time something like fails horribly or, you know, people get upset, we can always, we can always go back and say, well, maybe bad publicity is still publicity. I don't know if this was a stunt. Um, it seems to me it was just money motivated and they just, they didn't understand the, the products. They just saw another way for them to advertise and they didn't put too much thought into it. I think Nantech should have known better. But then again, it's Nantech and, uh, Money. you know, much love for the game. But anyone who's really involved knows uh, the frustration. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's, it's wild. I think we were asking ourselves, like, also, why did this collaboration even happen? And there's a little bit more information that's come out. It seems like Pokemon Go does get partnered with fashion things from time to time. And it sounds like getting the gear is really a popular part of the game. It sounds like there was a Paris Fashion Week crossover at one point. Um, I don't know if you all followed that, but oh, yeah. yeah. Was that in the spring of last year where they, they had like special Pokemon in, in cute little costumes? Yeah, there were some special trainer cosmetics, um, and it did, you know, require people to go out and go to places again, which was not great then. And so I think they went back and kind of 
revisited that event at the same time. But yeah, it's just, it shows a lack of foresight. And I, I hear your, your point, Dunks, around, you know, they always say there's no such thing as bad publicity or bad news, right? Because it gets you out there. Yeah. But man, this just still, it, it just rubbed me such the wrong way that now I don't even want to engage with this at all. <laughs> but I guess I, I'm sure a lot of fans are very excited that they now have the opportunity to get all the stuff without having to go out and they get it for free. Right. The article does note here at the end, uh, these fashion crossovers with Pokemon Go are a little unconventional, but having made a billion dollars in 2020, it makes sense that brands would want to collaborate with Pokemon Go. Yes, you heard that right. Pokemon Go made a billion dollars in 2020. Holy yeah. shnikles. I think we've been looking for these numbers and that's that's staggering. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I remember at some point, like a, a few episodes ago or whatever, we were talking about how much money we thought Niantic was making. And you kind of posed that question, Bruce, and I, I didn't know the exact figure, but I did say like, yo, like they actually make hella bread from Pokemon Go and a billion dollars is just an insane number to kind of wrap your head around. I think it's also... One little quote I want to pull from this Screen Rant article that I just thought was hilarious. It's uh, It says, Brands like Gucci and Pokemon are an unlikely pair, but now players can have, quote, the drip in and outside the game. I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> get that, get drip. that drip, baby. I get it. <laughs> well, we have some news about Niantic acquiring a company. Niantic has acquired Mayhem, a competitive community gaming platform. So Niantic and Mayhem have announced that Niantic has acquired Mayhem, a competitive esports company that provides community organized leagues, ladders, tournaments, and more. Mayhem provides to uh, tools for running community play, automated scoring, ruling, real-time leaderboards, and personalized roles during tournaments. So this seems like a really interesting acquisition. I would love to get your thoughts on what do those types of tools and community play technologies potentially lead to in Pokemon Go? What are your thoughts? How does this change the game? Well, it sounds like they're uh, trying to continue and develop player versus player interactions in Pokemon Go. They, they've been actually doing uh, a good job experimenting with different um, seasons in the Pokemon Go Battle League. And it seems like uh, they're trying to bring some more expertise on board. It seems like buying out another company is the way to do it. I mean, they had a billion dollars to uh, to throw around. So yeah. it, I think it means good things for the game ahead. Uh, I know there's been a lot of complaints about Go Battle League, but there's also been some interesting things that they've done. So uh, I'm excited to see where this is going. Yeah, me as well. I, It's interesting what kind of possibilities this could potentially mean. Um, I do like the quote that GoHub included in the article from, from John Hankey, or as our friends and I like to call him, Father Hankey from Niantic. He said, quote, Real world social interaction as encouraged by fun gameplay as well as social features that build bonds between people across the globe is critical to our mission. And alongside Mayhem, we have some exciting opportunities ahead of us. So I think... Kind of like what Donks was saying, Mayhem probably has more experience with these kinds of large player bases with battling together and playing together. And obviously, Pokemon Go is already a, a fairly social game, surprisingly. They're, they definitely try to encourage players to play together and raid together and whatnot. So I think this is just going to continue to encourage that kind of play style. So yeah, well, the definitely curious. The PVP side of Pokemon Go is 
uh, newer, right? I mean, you can now fight each other. And I don't know if you have to be in proximity or not based on the updates this year. I'm sure you can give me more there. But there hasn't been an actual competition, right? Where there was an actual tournament of PvP Pokemon Go happening where you could actually climb a, a leaderboard or compete in a fully organized tournament. Has that ever been seen before? And do you think that that's where this is going? So... To my knowledge, PvP has always been kind of a a fun aspect to Pokemon Go, and there were non-official kind of tournaments and competitions that people could attend in person. From the Silph Road, they had a whole section called the Silph League where people could participate in different cups and tournaments every month, and usually those were based on different themes, so you could only use specific Pokemon of maybe a specific type or color or lots of fun little challenges so that you could create teams specifically for those cups. And it wasn't until the Go Battle League, which is Pokemon Go's version of PvP and being able to battle players around the world so it's not a proximity-based thing, it's entirely online, which I, I'm pretty sure that actually released around February of 2020 and it was you know right before the pandemic and quarantine and everything so the timing of it really worked out but there there are some issues with Go Battle League I'm not a huge PvPer I, I was really into it at first but recently it's kind of gotten a little stale for me personally so I don't PvP as much as I used to so I don't have as much as that that I could comment on on it but I know that it, it, it can be a little buggy sometimes, definitely. It's definitely not Niantic's strongest suit. So I think, like you guys said, Mayhem could maybe help out with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It'd be interesting to see Pokemon Go showing up at like a competitive Evo style thing, right? Where it's all PvP and and there are fully created tournaments and, and play like that. I think that'd be a huge advantage for Pokemon Go. Everyone already gets really crazy and obsessed with IVs and type matching yeah. and what moves and cycling those moves. I mean, that's part of the crux of why uh, people play and why you collect so many of the same Pokemon and do these raids over and over again, right? So I could see being able to then leverage those in an actual league or tournament. That'd be amazing. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Like, I believe at the Pokemon World Championships in 2019, which is the last time that happened because it had to get canceled in 2020, I think they actually did do a Pokemon Go PvP tournament, but to my knowledge, that was the only, like, official competition they did, and I I don't even know how it worked for people to qualify and compete in it. I I saw a lot of, like, Pokemon Go PvP YouTubers competing and whatnot, so I I don't know why they, they don't pull from Pokemon Go more, like from the official Pokemon company to do tournaments and stuff. I think it's it would be really great. Like I remember when we were talking about the Players Cup, the new the third Players Cup, which is now starting uh, sometime the end of this month, I was saying I think Pokemon Go would have been a really great sector for them to have included in the Players Cup. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in Pokemon Go and I'd love to see more of that from official Pokemon tournaments and stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of money to be made with esports, so if they're really jumping in as as deep as they can there and trying to make that their next, you know, big advancement, I could see I could see that being very big for Niantic financially as well. It's obvious it's always a big deal when you make an acquisition, and so be very curious to see how this plays into a, a new features and and new things. Yeah, um, as someone who actually competed in Silk Road PvP, the actual PvP mechanics of battling someone in person. Um, existed long before Go Battle League, um, and you could actually 
compete with anyone who is on your friends list through PvP. So uh, distance PvP was always a thing. And I think what really changed with the Go Battle League um, was that there was an actual structure, an in-game structure to the, the competitions, um, and that you could actually progress through higher ranks and you get actual rewards for each of those ranks. So it was much more formal. There was actually incentive to battle besides just the love of fighting. And I actually, there were a lot of competitions uh, that were run by the Sylph Road. So each region had its own Sylph League. Um, and so players uh, would fight leagues uh, in their area and that would affect their global ranking. And if they lived in a certain city and they did well, in that city, they were top of the leaderboards. They would qualify for regional championships. Um, I was actually fortunate to play the uh, regional championships for Silk Road's uh, Battle League in Baltimore, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't progress to the national or international championships, but the international championship did take place during GoFest of 2019, and I was actually fortunate enough to attend that in person myself. So. Um, it definitely did go very far. The Silk Road team put a huge amount of work into these tournaments and organizations and, you know, having a standard of rules. And it seems like, you know, Go Battle League has sort of left them a little bit at the wayside. They're still very active, but they're no longer the only avenue people have for battling in Pokemon Go. So it'd be interesting to see if this new acquisition with Mayhem would add something even beyond... Uh, Go Battle League, because we've had PvP for a while, we've had raids, um, we've had Go Battle League now, so there's a lot of different player-to-player -player interactions in the game. It'd be interesting to see if they add a new game mechanic uh, where players could interact, or they could either battle each other or battle together. I think there's a lot of possibilities, and Pokemon has really been tacking on lots of new game mechanics to Pokemon Go. Uh, so really, sky's the limit. It's only about you know, whole, how bold and brave Niantic is feeling. Yeah, I'm sure they looked at the success of all of the work that Silk Road did and probably were saying, how do we make that our own, right? <laughs> you know, how do we yeah. actually yeah, build absolutely. this into absolutely. our game? So I think it's really good context to bring in that there's already been some success and that was all created using the tools that were there, but not necessarily like tools that were meant to be used for that. And then the organization was really on Silk Road to, to create. So to have stuff like that in game will be, I'm sure, really, really cool for, for players in the future. Yeah, I yeah. love those ideas that you brought up, Dunks. Definitely really, really good points. And also to go off what Bruce was saying about the whole money aspect of it, you know, people will, will raid and grind for specific pokemon just because of an exclusive move all the time which just which just equates to more money for niantic for example with with the new burn drive genesect that was just released in raise recently since it's the burn drive version it had this new exclusive move technoblast which apparently is on par with blast burn which is one of the best fire type moves in the game so even though the burn drive shiny variant wasn't out in pokemon go yet Tons of people were still doing raids for it just because of that Technoblast move because it's a viable Pokemon in the Ultra League. So there's so many incentives for Niantic and now Mayhem and the Pokemon Company to try to incorporate a more, a real competitive tournament that would incorporate all of these aspects. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. My question really, I, I as I'm thinking about this is, and the last time I played, Pokemon Go, I did do a battle. I did one of the Team Rocket battles, which I'm assuming, assuming is very similar to, to a PvP battle. I'm sure the actual mechanics there are the same. Is the game 
deep enough on an actual battling mechanic level to inspire true esport competition? Like, do you think this is what people want from the game? Is this really going to be something that has long legs or is there going to need to be some innovation on the battling front as well? That's, that's a very good question. And I think when Pokemon Go first came out, when we first got PvP, a lot of people complained that, you know, we had one fast move and we had one charge move and we are extremely limited uh, when it comes to building Pokemon teams when we only have so few Mews. And we did get the ability to add additional an additional charge move, which really changed uh, the meta of the game. Um, and I think a lot of the ways as we get new generations, as Niantic refines their PvP systems, there is more of a meta that develops. Um, and especially restrictive cups is something that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. This is something that the, the Silk Road did extremely well, is they had themed cups every month. And the Pokemon that you could choose from were very limited. They were limited, perhaps, maybe they were limited by type, or maybe they were limited by region or evolution status or something like that. Um, and it forced people to be creative. Um, and that was something that was really cool. That was one of the most exciting and intriguing things about the Silk Road tournaments. And it, it looks like Niantic has noticed. They did have uh, a baby cup just recently. So it was Pokemon that were limited to 500 CP, I think was the max, I believe. Mm, They've been experimenting with different types of restrictions in this cup um, because the meta does get kind of stale. And barring any new additions to the game, like new Pokemon with new you know, intriguing PvP stats, or maybe they add some moves that we've been waiting for a while, or they do some nerfs or buffs. After a while, things get pretty stale. Uh, so I think adding new restrictions, adding a variety, forcing people to be more creative, I think has been a huge help. Um, and I think if they can incentivize players by having real in-game championships, as opposed to just climbing a ladder, you know, if there's really an opportunity for everyone to reach for the very top, you know, if there's a trophy at the end of the tunnel, um, I think we're going to see people get a lot more creative. We're going to see a lot more action in the game. So I hope uh, yeah, that's Mayhem cool. is going to be able to help them do that. Really yeah. nice points. Very well said. I'm, I definitely echo a lot of those. And I feel like even though Pokemon Go PvP and the Go Battle League isn't as nuanced compared to other competitive games, just because it is so much more simplified with you know, three max moves. People really enjoy this PvP side of Pokemon Go. You know, there's a whole community online of people who are really, really dedicated to the PvP aspect of Pokemon Go and YouTubers who only cover content based on PvP and talking about all those stats for moves, etc. what Pokemon is meta-relevant. And it can be a lot of fun. I mean, they even did some quality of life improvements where now switching between Pokemon is a lot easier than it was before. So it can be a little bit faster because you see all of your, your team on the side. And, you know, that's another aspect. You only get three Pokemon in your team compared to six in the mainline game. So it really is just a sim more simplified competitive game but i think at the same time it can be a lot more inviting for people who maybe have never dipped their toes into esports before so i think that's another reason why i think it's there's a lot of possibility there yeah it's super exciting i think the future looks bright for pokemon go esports i think you've all brought up some really important points and it seems like there is a uh big potential ahead. So we will uh, continue to monitor and see what happens. And when we actually see some of these features roll out and as Mayhem gets uh, rolled into the Niantic umbrella, 
uh, we'll see what comes of it. Last couple of news items for the week are merch drops. So we have some updates here <laughs> on some new merch that y'all can go out and find. This one is ridiculously cool and horrifying all at the same time. It is a Gengar pillow. Yes, you heard me right. A $250 Gengar pillow. And boy, is this a special one. So <laughs> we have this article here from Nicole Carpenter over at Polygon, which is titled Gengar's mouth is a portal to hell and people want to get inside. <laughs> 2021, right? Who would have guessed? Everyone, we all guessed. We are only eight days into the new year and yep, things are terrible. I want to go crawl into a hole. In particular, a mouth-shaped hole that's attached to a large purple pocket monster with glowing red eyes. <laughs> and by golly, it sounds like other people want to do that too. The Pokemon Company and it looks like P Bandai, which maybe is a part of Bandai. I don't know if they are related or not. Uh, have announced a, a new perfect piece of Pokemon merchandise and it's called the Gengar Cushion. Um, and effectively, Gengar's tongue rolls out of its mouth and creates sort of like a cushion on the floor and inside of Gengar's mouth, inside of the head, <laughs> you can put your head and rest your eyes and, and, and go to sleep. Now, I highly recommend everyone go check out this article and check out the photos uh, because especially at, towards the end where you'll see a um, businessman of sorts who has used <laughs> the Gengar pillow cushion in many unique ways. There's not one right way to use this, push, this cushion. You can see him with his head on the tongue rolled up so it's a little bit more cushiony you can see him with his head inside of Gengar's head uh, while he's let resting on his back you can see him at his office desk where Gengar is sitting on the desk he is knelt over and his head is just resting inside of Gengar's mouth oh my I mean so many creative ways you could use <laughs> this Gengar cushion I'm tempted I'm not gonna lie what are your thoughts <laughs> this is a fun one I just want to applaud the Pokemon Company and Bandai for their courage and creativity and bravery in releasing this product because I can't believe we live in a world where this is actually a thing. It's absolutely hilarious. The tongue is five foot five inches. Like, that, that's crazy. That's crazy. If you roll that out, I could not lie on that because I'm five foot nine. I would be too tall for Gengar's tongue. And yet I still want, I would still enjoy a nice little cuddle with King Kong's tongue. There's a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life. Oh my, oh my. But yeah, the, the images and all the promotional photos that they did with the the businessman, like this must have been such a fun photo shoot. It's hilarious. There's so much meme content on Twitter. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, I I it's just it, it it's 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 amazing, honestly. The idea that uh, a businessman uh, would bring his Gengar, his massive Gengar plush to the office and, you know, just exhausted from his work, he just <laughs> plops down inside Gengar's mouth or wrapped yep. around Gengar's tongue. It's like, I, you know what, if Japanese offices are like this, I, I, I'm stunned. This is, this is amazing. I mean, like, we're yes. doing things wrong, apparently. <laughs> 
I think we're doing things right. This is the future I always imagined. It was everyone <laughs> just has their their highly functional plushies around in order to yeah. rest and relax. And if it's Pokemon theme, let's go. <laughs> I, I guess we were doing it wrong until now, but now we're getting the Gengar, you know, for our office naps. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're finally getting uh, finally getting what we're owed. And if you don't like Gengar, Bandai also made a Metapod version. So it's just like a Metapod sleeping bag. They also did a hilarious photo shoot with a businessman literally just going into the Metapod cocoon and like wrapping himself up. And I want both of these products in my life. They, they're both expensive. It's like $250. Yeah. The Metapod looks awesome. The Metapod. Yeah. yeah. It, the Metapod is, is less hilarious in like the Gengar way where it's kind of like out of context what is going on why is this man inside of gengar's mouth but the metapod sleeping bag is exactly like you you could imagine it it's literally just you can crawl into metapod and close it up and become the pod because <laughs> it is odd how expensive these are though right i guess i can see uh $300 for the metapod i mean it's a full sleeping bag it's pretty large it looks like it's made out of some very premium materials and it's a lot of material right it's gonna have to fit humans <laughs> inside um the gengar being like $250 though for just like a, a pillow effectively a nice plushie with a very long plushy tongue <laughs> i don't know that one's a little bit more of a stretch for me i've never spent ah. more than probably i don't know 30 bucks, 50 bucks on a pillow. I, I can't, I don't even know if I spent that much. <laughs> like that seems a little bit outrageous. And then on top of that, I don't think I've ever spent probably more than the same amount, maybe 30 to $50 on a plush, right? I do have some Pokemon plush. I like them very much. They're always really high quality, but yeah, I know that these things can get kind of pricey, but it seems like that one's a little bit of a stretch. What are you, what are your thoughts? You think the Gengar with the five foot tongue is a stretch? It's a, it's a literal stretch. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, the Pokemon plushes, like, if you can go to Pokemon Center right now, um, there have been some absolutely massive plushes. I mean, if you want a life-size Psyduck or Mareep, money can buy it. Um, and those are not cheap. You know, those you're looking up to 300 I think the Mareep is $500, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, so... Yeah, it's very expensive. In terms of giant, giant expensive plushes, this is definitely nothing new. But the utility for this product is unique. I have to say, I've never seen anything like this. I don't think we've ever gotten anything like this. So it's <laughs> it's an exciting time to be a fan of Pokemon. Yeah, and it's not the only plush news we had this week. To wrap up our, our news segment, um, we got our first glimpse into what the 25th anniversary celebration is going to look like from a GameStop uh, release. You can go and pre-order this right now. It is called Pokemon 25th Anniversary Celebration Pikachu Plush, only at GameStop. It's a very uh, standard-looking Pikachu. It's supposed to release on the 5th of February, and it retails for $44.99. can be pre-ordered, as I mentioned, right now. And it's a very cute little Pikachu with a little celebratory hat. I think it's kind of similar to what you probably find in Pokemon Go, right? Has there been a, a Pikachu with this hat on before? Oh, yeah. there, it's like a, there have like been a party hat, right? Party hat, if yeah. you will. Yeah. So there you go, everyone. Your first glimpse into the 25th anniversary. What do you guys think of the plush? Yeah, I think this is our first 25th anniversary related release. So that's kind of cool. It's not an officially licensed Pokemon Center plush. It's from Wicked Cool Toys, which is a jazz wares company. And at first I was like, holy crap, why is it $45? And then I realized it's huge. 
sitting at 24 inches. It's so, huge. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. It's it's kind of tempting. I'm not going to lie. I usually only buy Pokemon Center plushes because I love those, but I have heard that the Jazzware plushes are actually not that bad. So uh, it's tempting. It's tempting. Yeah. I am definitely with you on I do not do anything other than officially licensed, not licensed, officially made Pokemon Center plushes. Yeah. Like, I really, I've seen these a few times, the 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 Jazzware Wicked Cool stuff. I think I've gotten even some as gifts, and they're just not the same. They don't feel yeah. the same, really, at all. So that's interesting that they decided to license this one out, but I love Pokemon Center plushes, so I'm really, yes. really loyal to those. Yeah, it always seems like when you have... Pokemon plushes made by someone other than Pokemon Center. A lot of times the proportions just don't come out right. You've got a lot of uh, squished faces or, you know, bodies that don't look quite right. Uh, this one actually looks pretty good, though. Yeah, I agree. This one's actually not that bad. It's It's got a big smile on its face, like with the open mouth and stuff. But, you know, Pikachu is a pretty easy Pokemon to to get done correctly i feel like other pokemon can be really hit or miss but yeah definitely echo like the pokemon center official plushes are, are where it's at yeah I'll, I'll be honest i mean looking at this one and just taking into account those thoughts like i'm looking at my i have a pikachu that has a tyranitar poncho yes the hood yeah, yeah. and um i mean this pikachu is beautiful the one from the pokemon center and compared to this one you can see this it doesn't look perfect i mean it's not exactly right and i mean the face looks okay if you click to the photo that has it on its like side it kind of looks a little bit whatever not super great there's some weird lines i don't know there's just so much detail in the pokemon center plushies that i don't mind spending the extra money but like 45 dollars based on the size of this one kind of makes sense but i don't think it's going to be anywhere near the quality that you'd get from pokemon center yeah i i'd probably want to see it in person first really my only exception to getting pokemon plushes that aren't officially from the pokemon center other than if people give me them as gifts then you know of course i'm not going to be like this isn't from the pokemon center but <laughs> Build-A-Bear actually has some pretty top-notch Pokemon plushes. I'm not going to lie. They did release Dragonite recently, which I actually really want to get. And they also teased recently that they're going to be releasing Mew, Espeon, and Umbreon sometime this year. Which, like, yes, take my money. I want all of this. That's really cool. I know they did also release um, special cards with building a plush yeah, right you go in you build yeah. a plush and you get a promo card so going back to our earlier conversation around collaborations with uh, other companies there's another promo that could have could have had maybe go find those build-a-bear promos yeah i don't know how much those go for i i don't think uh they've been doing promos for any of their recent build-a-bear releases actually yeah i was gonna say gotcha. the same thing unfortunately not like I think when they first collabed with the Pokemon company and did Build-A-Bear plushes for Pokemon, I think those ones had the promo cards, but all of the new ones don't. Makes sense. Kind of sucks. All right. Well, yeah, it might suck that promos are no longer being given out uh, with your Build-A-Bear Pokemon, but you know what doesn't suck? Our anime rewatch. So we're going to jump <laughs> right on in... Hell yeah. 
<laughs> I'm very sorry uh, last week that we un- were unable to do uh, an anime rewatch uh, review. We did uh, want to make sure that we gave enough time to our guest, our very lovely guest, JP, and that we covered all of those uh, stories, those very important stories, as thoroughly as we could. But we're right back at it this week with episode six of the Indigo League. This one was titled Clefairy and the Moonstone, uh, which is an awesome episode. I am so excited to talk about this one with you all. I enjoyed it very, very much. But our our friends, uh, it starts off uh, at Mount Moon. Our friends rescue a scientist named Seymour from a batch of Zubat. Along the way, Brock is able to catch one of those Zubat we find out later in the episode. Seymour leads Ash and his friends into a cave to find the legendary Moonstone, which is also said to increase the power of Pokemon. Yeah, I I absolutely love this episode. And and Seymour was just such a fun little character. He's such a dork, but like in the best way possible. Yeah, his love for Pokemon and just all of his eccentricities. He's definitely, going back, this was a character that I was excited to see again. Me too. Yeah, I really love how they really give every character so much personality. At first, I kind of thought it was a little archetype, like, oh, he's a professor or like a a researcher and he's a nerd. And so he's got to be all nerdy and weird. Right. And it was a little like stereotypical, but you really fall in love with Seymour through the episode and he really does care. And he's just another person living in this world. And I think that's one thing the anime has done pretty consistently. There isn't really just like a one dimensional character, maybe outside of like Team Rocket so far. Maybe they feel a little one dimensional, but... Mm. I know we're going to get a lot more from them, but really the rest of the characters, even the side ones that you meet through each episode, always have a little bit of depth to them. And I really do appreciate the enemy for that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like even going back a few episodes to the samurai character, which at first it's like, oh, here's a samurai kid and he's got a sword and stuff like that. But then you you kind of, he, he grows on you. He really does. He really does. So uh, we go deep into the cave, uh, and Ash there spots a Clefairy carrying a moonstone. He considers capturing it, but Seymour tells him Clefairy prefer to live at Mount Moon. Ash decides to leave the Clefairy in peace, but Team Rocket shows up with plans of their own. So this was interesting, right? Seymour saying, don't catch this Pokemon. What were the thoughts on that? Yeah, I I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, you know, ordinarily, Pokemon professors and just people who like Pokemon in general, they would typically encourage, like, yeah, go ahead, catch it and stuff. But I think it also just adds more depth to Seymour's character that he's not a typical kind of Pokemon aficionado. And his expertise is really with, like, the Moonstone and space and these Clefairies. So he's really, like, enamored by it. And I think they even kind of mentioned that seeing a Clefairy is kind of already rare as it is, which I thought was kind of surprising. Yeah, they do talk a lot about how rare Clefairy are and just how rare an experience they are that they're going through this whole time. But I do think it just kind of goes very against Pokemon and it just felt super out of place to me. Like it made sense within the construct of the episode and what was going on, but I just felt like it was super weird how, you know, this is gotta catch them all. Like Pokemon, like I'm becoming the best trainer I can, but I can't capture the first truly rare Pokemon that I can counter because so far all we've seen are these bug type Pokemon from the forest and then we've seen other trainers cool Pokemon but we really haven't had like rare Pokemon in the wild and I thought this was just a little bit of a weird choice I would have liked to have seen Ash have an opportunity to catch Clefairy yeah I was I was surprised by it as well yeah it it starts the uh another time-honored tradition of Indigo League of people telling Ash not to catch Pokemon (laughs) (laughs) kind of odd it is but also 
Also, I thought it was interesting. Um, they make a big deal about the rarity of Clefairy in this episode, and especially later Clefable. They say it's one of the most rare Pokemon in the world, which was very surprising to hear that. You know, I did not remember that sort of fact. But I, I think the more you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. If you look at the backstory of, you know, where Clefairy came from, um, you really only find them in Mount Moon. And this is in the entire Pokemon world. You know, we're only looking at Kanto here. There's only one mountain in the entire world where you find Clefairy. So I understand, you know, saying that they're really rare, uh, at least within the context of this story. Yeah, because rarity when you play the games is a different thing, right? It's more about spawn rates. Like you can always go to a place where you know a Pokemon is. That doesn't necessarily make it rare in the game, yeah. right? Rare is like, oh, I can only have one chance to capture this Pokemon or the spawn rate is far less than others. Mm -hmm. But in the construct, I guess, of the, the anime and kind of the story that they're telling, the fact that it is in one location only and it's rare to actually see them even if you go to Mount Moon, um, that's kind of cool. And it does, you know, play into the, the mystery of Clefairy. Yeah, good point. And Clefairy was supposed to be the, the, the main Pokemon, right? This was yeah. This was what we talked about with episode one. Yeah. So that's also interesting that they've turned Clefairy's backstory into this, when originally there was conversation around Clefairy just being Ash's Pokemon, the, the, the mascot of Pokemon. So super, super right turn there in terms of what they've done with Clefairy. Yeah, good callback. Good callback. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so Team Rocket wants the Moonstone to power up their Pokemon and asks... Ash to join them. Brock sends out Zubat, which he caught in the beginning of the episode, very serendipitously, and Ash sends out Butterfree to take out Team Rocket's Ekans and Coughing. While battling, Meowth sneaks around them to capture the Clefairy. A little bait and switch here. Yeah, sneaky little Meowth. So, one little fun fact about this battle is it's actually the first episode to feature a double battle, because Brock uses his Zubat, Ash uses his Butterfree, and you know, they're both battling Ekans and Coughing. So I, I didn't even think about the fact that we haven't seen a double battle like that before. And we aren't going to see it again for how long, right? I don't think they introduced double battles in, even in Gen 2, right? Was yeah, it Gen, Gen 3 th or 4? Yeah, and it looked really cool. It was super epic, even though it was all all just a, a ruse. Yeah, and also Meowth is a little sneaky with Clefairy, but Brock, like, oh yeah, I have a Zubat. I caught it in the beginning, like right before we came into the cave, like conveniently off camera. I was like, right, right. Brought brought a little sneaky this episode too. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. I was like, he's just like, oh, I caught this Zubat. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, that's convenient. Yeah, it just goes to show that uh, Brock is still a much better trainer than Ash, because I think Ash even says, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> like, I'm, he's yeah. never, like, <laughs> yeah, focused. <you're> right. <laughs> <laughs> so later in the evening, they stumble upon the core of the Moonstone. I love it. Clefairy brings the Moonstone to it, and a herd of other Clefairy join in, um, and they perform a dance together. Clefairy and Pikachu talk, and Pikachu tells Ash that Clefairy pray to the Moonstone. So was this... This, is, this happens before or after they catch the the stolen moonstone this is this is after right well this this is um when clefairy gets away from team rocket uh for the time being and clefairy i think in gratitude leads them or they just follow clefairy to like the main chunk of the moonstone and once it puts the one fragment down they all start that's where all the clefairy pop out because we hadn't seen more than just the one clefairy at this point Gotcha. So that's when they actually lead Team Rocket to the actual Moonstone at that point, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Team Rocket follows a little bit behind their uh, 
they sneak in a little bit after this exchange. Yeah, right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty wild when um, you see Team Rocket stealing the Moonstone and they're like rushing down the mountain on this like rickety thing that's holding the Moonstone. <laughs> like, I don't know how they did any of this. Like it seems like everything's so large and heavy and there they are just doing their thing. But yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting uh, sequence. Yeah, so. one small little scene that happened right before that as well is uh, like as it's getting later into the evening, they decide to like kind of make a pit stop to eat and Brock is feeding his Zubat special Pokemon food, which he's like, yeah, like here's the special food that I made. And, you know, he shares it with Ash's Butterfree and whatnot. And it's like a very small little dot in this whole episode, but I, I like it because it, it shows Brock's personality and the fact that he did mention before that his true kind of goal is to be more of a nurturing breeder instead of a gym leader and i think you definitely see that side to him when he's feeding special food to the pokemon and you know that's something we've also talked about on the show like yo what what do they eat in this world yeah it is yeah. interesting i i also find it hard to believe because brock said he has a different recipe for every species of pokemon i find that very hard to believe <laughs> also how is he carrying around like a specific container of food for every Pokemon. I mean, like, he's got to restock somewhere, right? Like, he's got to get supplies. Like, did he expect to run into people who had, like, a Pikachu or, like, a Staryu? Like, also, how does Staryu eat? I don't know. There's just too many questions <laughs> right here about Pokemon and food, but... That's just, like, anime cartoon logic. Like, you know, these characters are always wearing the same outfit every episode, every day all day and night and like maybe they don't even have a backpack or pockets and then they'll like whip some random item out like where, where did that come from what yeah very true this, the second you think about this for more than a second it all falls yeah. apart <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i also uh interesting point before we move on the episode when meowth jumps out and ambushes the clefairy i believe misty it's her first on-screen battle because she brings out a staryu um and she's actually able to fight um, and I think up until this point, That's she's right. only right. the only time she sort of entered a Pokemon battle is when she threw out a Goldeen that just kind of flopped around and then she didn't do anything. So, yeah, yeah I guess it is her first actual battle. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, they continue to like hint at the fact that Misty can fight, but they don't want to like show it all. And I, I, it makes sense why they don't want to show their hands when we get to next week's episode, because I think that's a pretty cool reveal. Yeah. But it's another uh, little teaser. Into yeah, they, the they just episode. keep teasing it at it. And I think that was very much by design. It definitely intrigued me for sure. Yeah. So Team Rocket finds the group again. Seymour has a Velma moment. So Brock and Ash swoop in with Onyx and Pidgeotto to battle Ekans and coughing. However, the match was a trick. Uh, so Team Rocket could sneak away with the Moonstone underground. Then we get to the scene where Onyx finds them. And then Seymour appears with the Clefairy through Onyx's tunnel. They all use a metronome, which causes an explosion that sends Team Rocket blasting off. Chips of the Moonstone fall from the sky, causing some Clefairy to evolve into Clefable. Seymour tells the group that he decides to stay with the Clefairy in hopes of traveling to outer space with them. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> this, this this episode really ramps at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what I like about this episode so much is it, it feels like a true adventure and like side story in the whole kind of mission of Ash to, you know, defeat all the gym leaders and become a Pokemon master champion, blah, blah, blah. And this one just feels like a very different episode and it was very much like an adventure. I love when Onyx buries into his own little tunnel hole and yeah. and and like 
finds them like super fast and just knocks them on their their booties it was like a really intense onyx moment yeah no onyx is terrifying in this episode like i it must be the pokemon food that brock is feeding because like in the games onyx (laughs) is pretty weak you know we all know its attack stat is like onyx has less attack than a piplup as its base attack. Like, what? Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, Piplup is a is a starter Pokemon. So starter Pokemon are usually pretty good. Yeah, but like an Onix like doesn't evolve in in Kanto. Yeah, no. Piplup's like a little baby. Yeah, but uh, I, there's something. It must be the food that Brock is feeding his Pokemon. There must be some <laughs> rare candies in there because Brock's Onix is massive and it is very strong. It's terrifying. Honestly, it's terrifying in this episode. Yeah, no, it kind of brings me back to, like, we've talked before whenever we do our anime rewatch segment about how the anime has influenced our Pokemon opinions, because I feel like growing up, I always viewed Onyx as a very terrifying and huge Pokemon that's obviously super powerful as a result, when really in the games, I I never have used Onyx on my team, like, maybe for an HM or a TM, maybe, but really, it's only because of the anime that I, I was kind of scared of Onyx as a kid. Yeah, I, I think I used Onyx in Let's Go Pikachu because you can ride on Onyx's back if you make it your buddy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah the just, visual I mean, is super cool. It's incredibly comical. I, I just love it so much. So That was one of the best parts of that game, side story. Oh, but, definitely. So, yeah, so um, when the, the Moonstone finally breaks apart and evolves all these Clefable, what did uh, would you all think about that? Any other thoughts on the, the final moments of this episode? I, I personally, I guess I'll jump in and just say like, I was so surprised by this like very different episode, right? We started talking about space, stones, all these different things that, I mean, honestly, all we've been talking about so far has been battling gym leaders and walking through a forest. It just really felt like a very early moment in the anime to break very far away from kind of the world that we had already set up. So it starts to bring all these new ideas in and you know, I'm sure as like a kid, it's like amazing to be like, oh my God, we're talking about space and, and these Clefairy coming from space. And like, this is just such a different thing than a bug Pokemon, you know? And it was, it was, it was a big difference, a big change. Yeah. It definitely seemed like we took a break from the the goals of all the trainers. Brock's got, exactly. we're, we're seeing a little bit of, you know, Brock's nurturing side, but you know, Ash's drive to become Pokemon master sort of takes a backseat and we're really just treated to this experience of like pure exploration of the Pokemon world. And and these are some of the best episodes, I think. Agreed. It's the world building. Um, And uh, this is something that Bruce, you say very often, they do an incredible job at revealing the lore of Pokemon, pulling back that curtain of mystery just a little bit at a time. Yeah, it's really masterfully that. done. It really is masterfully done. Definitely. I mean, this was a really magical moment, like literally just seeing pieces of the moonstone falling from the sky and then all the the Clefairies are looking up at it and, and the people and, and then some of them evolve into Clefable. And I mean, evolution is not just common sight. Like the fact that we've seen so many evolutions and throughout the duration of you know, these six episodes is pretty crazy, but especially in this kind of circumstance where it was like after all these really mysterious events and adventure takes place and, you know, they just learned about the Moonstone in this episode and then all of a sudden they fall into all of this crazy stuff as a result and then all these Clefairy, well, some of them evolve into Clefable. Like, it was, it was really cool. Yeah, I love the word magical for the ending. I think it totally works. 
So uh, that pretty much wraps up this episode. The group then uh, makes their way onto the next route to Cerulean City, and you get to see a very hilarious little <laughs> note left by Gary on the sign saying Ash is a loser, and I loved it. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and going back earlier to how we were talking about we see Misty battling for the first time and it's kind of like a little teaser into the next episode when they make their way into the sign that says, okay, you're about to enter Cerulean City. They cut to a close-up shot of Misty's face and you can see that she looks kind of sad. And, you know, obviously that's foreshadowing what the next episode is about. Yeah, it's a good one for sure. Um, So do you have any uh, fun trivia or any facts from this, this episode? Uh, yeah, one more fun fact. When they are finally able to defeat Team Rocket after the Clefairas use Metronome and then it causes that explosion, this is the first time we see them blasting off with the twinkle that you that you always see. Like, it's the very iconic little ding whenever they blast oh. off. So this is actually the first time we see that. It's not the first time we've seen them, you know, blasting off again, but the first time the twinkle, the little star. Wow. Makes, makes sense. Oh, yeah, I, I totally, because um, I think I was thinking of earlier in the episode in the Meowth balloon, where they got a hole blown in and they blow off into the sky. Uh, but it didn't occur to me this was the first time we actually saw the twinkle. Yeah, no, that's iconic. I think I just sort of remembered the twinkle being there in the episode where we get introduced to Team Rocket and they fly off in Meowth's balloon. I, I think I just, my right. memory just filled in that gap because I thought it was always there. You just there. assume. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I wonder what episode we'll finally hear them say, Team Rocket's blasting off again! Because I don't think they've said that yet. No, they haven't. So, I guess, and you know, it takes it takes time to build up to again, like when they're blasting off continuously. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. What a great wow, episode. Yeah, that's a super cool piece of trivia, too. I'm glad we ended with that. Yeah, I, I, I think this was a really great episode. I, I loved it. I just keep loving our anime rewatch. This is my favorite segment to do every week. I feel like it's quickly becoming that. And um, I'm just so excited to catch up. I keep seeing on like other social media kind of what's going on with the current anime, which there's a lot of action going on. Apparently the newest stuff has been really, really good. And obviously we're taking our, our sweet, sweet time with uh, Indigo League, but <laughs> I can't wait to catch up with it and, and see what's going on today because it seems like it's really kind of crazy and uh, the anime continues to stay strong. So I'm excited to see the future of it too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Pokemon Journeys has, has been great so far, which is the current anime. Dunks and I have been kind of slowly watching it together and it definitely made me want to go back to the Indigo League. And I agree. I, I absolutely love this segment and I look forward to watching every episode kind of with like a, a fresh little pair of eyes because it's very nostalgic. But a lot of these episodes, I don't remember like beat for beat really only like the first two or three episodes i was like oh like i know exactly what's gonna happen and there's maybe some small stuff here i was like oh like i forgot about that and i i think bruce has mentioned this before like watching all of this as an adult with more of a critical eye it's crazy how how much it still holds up today like it's a very very fleshed out anime yeah it really is it's a it's a really good anime all on its own without any other context right it's just a really fun anime to watch awesome well that that kind of brings us to the end of our episode this week thank you all for joining us on podcast monsters if you are interested in uh following us on social media we do have an instagram account it's at podcast monsters and if you are interested in writing in which we would highly highly encourage we would love 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 to have your questions comments maybe other topics that you'd like us to cover or anything else that you want to share feedback whatever it might be 
uh, you can hit us up at podcastmonstersshow at gmail.com. We would definitely love yeah, to hear from we, you there. No one, that, that reminds me, that no one wrote in about our last episode little contest about Dunks's That's controversial right. Pokemon Go team, I guess. You know, the episode only came out a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can give week. some leeway, but we'd love to hear from you guys and reach out. You know, people have been messaging and saying really nice comments and feedback, but we, we'd love to interact more about, you know, the topics we're discussing or maybe other comments you guys have on specific things that we're covering, your takes on maybe the anime if you're watching along with us. Yeah, I don't know. Dunks, do you wanna do you wanna reveal what your team was, I guess? No, I think we gotta I think we gotta wait till next week. Let's give it another week. Okay, yeah. okay guys, don't forget, don't time. forget. Listen to the last episode if you wanna hear what Dunks's controversial team was for the NPC contest and yes. go do it. And write into us and you'll you'll win something. Did we say what they're gonna win? I don't even know. Uh, we said uh, a shout call out. out. <laughs> <laughs> shout out. Maybe we'll go a little bit further with that. Yeah, we might add some incentive. I mean I would say this past week, the theme of controversy was still alive and well. So, you know, it's <laughs> yes. still relevant. 100%. That's a good 100%. point. That's a very, very good point. We also want to highlight that it was wonderful to have JP on last week. Obviously, it was very important for him to be able to have a voice in covering that story that he kind of helped break. Um, but we would love to have other guests on the show. And so you can also reach out to us, reach out, reach out to us via email, and we will get you uh, all the information if you're interested in being a guest. And we hope to have a lot more of that here in the coming year. So if people want to uh, follow us on our socials, uh, where can they find you, Shinja? Oh, well, you can find me on Instagram, good old Pokegram, at trainer underscore Shinja, S-H-I-N-J-A. I've also got a YouTube channel, Shinjinator. I do movie reviews, Pokemon card openings, gameplay videos, all that kind of fun jazz. And I'm a big movie person, so I also have a movie podcast called The Highlight Reel. It's basically like a book club, but for movies, and it's all based on my Discord club called The Shinema Club, which... Basically, we've got a different movie of the week every week that our members nominate. So if any of that sounds appealing to you, definitely check it out. And how about you, Dunks? Where can people find you? Well, I'm also on Instagram at trainer underscore Dunks. That is D-U-N-K-S. Uh, I post a lot about Pokemon, the trading card game, Pokemon Go, in which I'm very involved. And, you know, some other fun Pokemon things like art and uh, plushies and, you know, whatever, whatever is relevant. Awesome. And uh, once again, I'm Bruce. You can find me on Instagram at Bruce and Pikachu's B-R-E-W-S. I also stream on Twitch every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So if you want to catch a card opening, have a beer, chill out, relax, play some games. It's always a good vibe over there. Uh, well, this was a really, really fun episode. Shinja, thank you for letting me host. Uh, and I hope everyone enjoyed their time this week with Podcast Monsters. We will catch you next time. Oh no, I dropped some Pokemon cards.